1: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
0: We need somewhere between $1 to $4 million to retire. Stay with me. That sounds like a lot of money, and it sounds pretty random, $1 to 4 right? But $1 million in theory, used to be able to pay you $40,000 a year in income until basically the day you died. That doesn't sound like a lot of money. When you factor in a new roof, a car, healthcare costs, Medicare is not free. And um, things in your life will still surprise you. Of course, you should spend a little less money in retirement. But also, some things that you'll spend more in retirement are out there as well. Things that I'm worried that you're going to spend on, travel. Um, my sugar booger wants an RV. I'm like, I don't want to drive a big RV. I'll crash it. I know I will. I'll hurt someone. Um, I'm not that guy. Some people want luxury cruises instead of an RV. I'm going to be more that guy. Um, but those aren't cheap. An RV is fifty dollars to $100,000 for a decent one. I, don't, I say decent in a funny kind of way. But next year, there'll be a lot of cheap ones because when COVID does end, and it's expected to, I'm not promising it will, but a lot of people have bought RVs this year and get this, they're turning them into their offices. I like the idea. Kids and dog and wife are lovely, but I need some peace and quiet. I know you're saying, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Be a jerk. Be a jerk. jerk." Healthcare costs are going to be expensive in retirement. The uh, household's total spending on healthcare increases from about 8% in pre-retirement houses to about 11.2% by the time you reach the age of 85. So a lot more is going on there. Utilities, they never seem to get cheaper, do they? Uh, Maybe you've paid off your mortgage, maybe your house cost goes down, but more often than not, you're going to be at home and when you're at home, you're more likely to use the air conditioning and the utilities inside your home. So there should be a little bit of a bump there. Uh, moving and relocating is not cheap. Sometimes when you're between the age of twenty and sixteen, you have a job. you're, you're moving's pretty easy. Honey, I'll go anywhere. With you you make me happy, and you go anywhere with that person. And you are like, I don't need books. I just need you in a van. But when you're retired, um, it's a of A process to move and it can cost a lot of money. Whether you're downsizing, you may say, you know, I need a new bed. I'm not going to, you know, move this ratty old bed from San Francisco to Phoenix. Um, and that may be an area that you see higher cost in moving expenses and changing homes. Fitness takes a little bit more. Approximately 53% of retired Americans participate in some sort of physical activity. Um, that's a motivator to stay alive, right? Some of your day to day expenses will start to add up for sure. Um, you know, no more business lunches, no more business coffees. Perhaps your cell phone was on the business, but no longer will be. Um, debt gets more expensive. If you're a senior citizen, you probably don't have a job. And if you don't have a job and you try to go get a mortgage, debt's going to be a problem, but uh, the cost of debt's going to be a problem. You're going to pay higher than what you would have had you had the job to prove that you could pay back that debt. But the total median debt, just total debt for uh, people 65 and up, um, $31,300, that's two and a half times as high as it was in the year 2001. So we're adding on debt, credit card debt, we're adding on debt as we get older. Um, Most people who I know who are 65 or older, they give a lot of money away. They do it to their children. They do it to their charities, probably more so than they did when they were working. So 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. How much do you think a typical retiree spends on books? $173 a year. Wow. That's a lot of Kindles. That's a lot of newspapers, magazines, audiobooks, whatever. I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. And myself, when I'm um, in retirement, I see this all the time. Of, I do a show essentially called wealth accumulation. I want to teach you how to get between one and four million dollars, so you can live off that till the day you die. Again, we started the premise with one million to pay you forty thousand dollars a year, four million to pay you one hundred sixty thousand before taxes. In theory, now that's not that's not applicable today because interest rates are so low. You can't get four percent safely like you used to be able to. You want three years of cash so that you don't have to stress about the up or down stock market. If you're a retiree right now, you're stoked that Federal Reserve probably not going to raise interest rates till 2023. That should give your bank account, your investment accounts, a little bit more buffer to grow. But one thing that's going to be more expensive in retirement is money management. You didn't need it while you were wealth accumulating. Rob Black said, max out your 401k, and that's what I did, and I've got a lot of money. Well, in retirement, you don't have that anymore. You have to live off that. You have to draw down the right amounts of that money without hitting too much, uh, or the federal uh, the government was going to say, oh, you went over the limit, and you have to start managing your decisions, like uh, capital gains taxes. Do you sell some of that investment that you've had your whole life in Apple and take a capital gain hit on it, or do you, you know, try to figure out income other ways? Professional management is going to cost you one, I'm not going to say one. I'm going to say right now it's averaging between half of 1% up to 1.25%. The 1.5% days, those gravy trains pretty much so look over. Uh, But it's still, uh, having your money managed for that cost ain't free, right? So you see where I'm going at with this. Now, those are the things that are more expensive in retirement. There's things that will be less expensive in retirement. Uh, Potentially. Potentially. your automobile. You're no longer driving to work, so your insurances go down. Your damage on your vehicle goes down. Now again, this is all kind of wonky with the pandemic, pre-pandemic, pandemic, and post-pandemic worlds, but it should go down. Uh, in retirement, I see a lot of 65 year old people wearing track suits. Um, it's it's when you've basically given up that I can't even bother with a belt. I'm just going to wear a sweatsuit those aren 't very expensive, so cost on clothing goes down. Um, I eat less and less every year somehow i 've lost eighteen pounds during covid that 's crazy. Um, the average household spends twenty five percent less on food in retirement. Interesting to know less on entertainment, uh, fewer concerts, fewer movies. Uh, I, I, that, that's not always true. I know some people that go a little movie crazy. Oh, do you remember the days where we had movie Pass, <laughs> where you got basically unlimited movies? Woo-hoo! It sounded too good to be true, and guess what? The company went bankrupt because it was too good to be true. Uh, but are we going to go back to a subscription model? I, I think we might down the road. I think we might. Um, your mortgage costs. So hopefully you've timed retirement right, and you... Don't have a big mortgage payment in retirement hopefully but again we're all different i'm not trying to pass judgment i'm not trying to say you have to do it my way or the highway um, but it's out there you're no longer putting kids through college if you're 65 in theory you don't have kids to put through college but that's kind of changing with the times isn't it want the podcast with music Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Apple had an event yesterday, but can't say it was anything groundbreaking or crazy or unexpected. It used to be that they had all that. Now it feels a little bit more, yeah, we kind of knew that it's was going to be an update. Or we knew it was going to be... Uh, an evolution instead of a revolution as far as products go. I'm not going to poo-poo them. I'm not going to say it's awful. I'm not going to go any direction like that. I think like the most interesting area that they've been playing in in the last couple of years is adding medical features to their watch. Um, keep in mind that in 2022, we're expected to see virtual reality or augmented reality glasses out of Apple. They've got a pipeline of stuff to come for quite a while. But they've also just opened up a can of worms that it, I, they need to be very careful on because it reminds me a little bit of, of Microsoft. In the late 90s, mid 90s, Microsoft could do no wrong. Every operating system in the world had their software. And then they started saying, okay, how can we make more money than just software? And they looked at word processing, and they put a company that did word processing essentially out of business. I believe Novell owned the word processing company. Um, might have been word perfect, but neither here you there. Um, and they put companies like Stacker out of business. Microsofts just started copying their best features. Stacker was a company that doubled your hard drive space back in the days where we didn't have a gig, we didn't have a hundred gigs, we didn't have a, we didn't have anything close to that. We were counting our hard drive space in in megs, um, and that's not good. <laughs> because, but you'd buy a twenty meg hard drive, and you could double it to forty using Stacker's technology. And Microsoft said, you know what? We can just build that into our operating system and charge more for it. So down goes that stacker. I feel Apple's doing a little bit of that. I own shares of Apple. Um, Consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks I ever mentioned on this show. Their numbers that came out yesterday, or their, their product was okay. The area that I find it the most interesting, like I was saying, is the new Apple Watch, where it's going to be able to read your oxygen levels, which at one point in time, I know you think I'm perfect. I know you think I'm sexy, and I, you want my life. I know you do. At one point in time, I had sleep apnea, where I would fall asleep, doctor said if your throat's a little bit on the small side and i was probably carrying an extra 20 pounds of pudge and that kind of gets your your jowls your neck kind of fat and when you fall asleep with a little bit of alcohol all that stuff relaxes so i'd stop breathing in the middle of the night i don't know if apple's going to do something in that vein of wear it at night we'll wake you up we'll we'll nudge you if you start suffering sleep apnea oh by the way i'm I got my tonsils taken out, and I got my throat widened. In theory, my sinuses rebuilt, so I, I breathe better, and the sleep apnea in theory's gone away. But there's still some nights. But um, an oxygen sensor in the middle of the night. Well, I pay five hundred dollars for that watch. Damn right I will. Um, just to play with it, I have disposable income. I'm, I'm good with that. Um, that I didn't the EKG thing. It eh, eh, didn't really interest me. Uh, but this interests me. There's some other things in their uh, their call that was okay. It was a virtual, a virtual exhibition. I don't know what you call it anymore. Uh, some analysts raised price targets yesterday. Needham said, "Let's go up to 140 bucks." We like the new watch and iPads, um, so they're raising their price target and estimates on bundled services and Apple's silicon. So Apple's coming up with their own silicon to run their their devices. Um, that's not kind of sexy to talk about. Apple One, the mega bundle, is kind of sexy to talk about. And then there's a premier plan, which gets even more price bundling. So Apple's ecosystem is elevating its pricing power and getting more bucks from you. When you study and do research on restaurants, uh, restaurant managers go nuts. They're like, sell more alcohol, sell more desserts, get the average ticket up. Get the average ticket up. Apple's extracting more money from us. <coughs> um, they had a, a, a credit card relationship that they ended because they want everyone to solely focus on their credit card. So they ended the rewards program with one company and said, just focus on us. We'll give better rewards. Slowly but surely, they're doing a pretty good job. Now, the one that kind of no one really liked was they got into like a physical a fitness app, Wall Street didn't seem impressed with that. Peloton's already got a hundred million subscribers, um, or has a hundred million subscriber goal. Apple's kind of like, we would like that too. Now, will Apple eventually buy Peloton? Peloton is kind of the Apple of fitness machines, but is that a strategic fit? Is it a good vertical? I don't see it yet. Other than to say that there's a lot of upside. And then your Peloton bike is no longer just yelling at you. It's a Peloton with an iPad on it. Um, so you could surf the net. You could watch Netflix. You could do other things that you can't currently do on a Peloton monitor. So it makes a little bit more sense when you start playing with it. But Apple still has the glasses coming in 2022. They're not supposed to be any good until 2023. That's kind of how Apple works. Never buy the first-generation Always consider the second generation of their their updates. Uh, but one analyst is uh, upping the price target to one hundred and forty. And I wanted to again throw out the cautionary warning: Spotify's angry at them, Facebook's angry at them, um, including others. It's it, because they're getting that thirty percent cut. Epic and Fortnite is mad. At some point in time, that's going to get Congress's ear. Congress wants to, like, we're protecting the people. Mr. Cook, how dare you charge for a bundled service and save people money? Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area Airwaves, weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. I believe I'm supposed to have on Patrick O'Hare right here, right now. Um, hopefully he calls back, because I think he just called and we might have hung up on him. Ah, there he is, uh, Patrick O'Hare. Mr. O'Hare, how are you? Hey, Rob, I'm doing fine, thanks. Sorry about almost terminating our interview. My producer said, do you have an interview? I'm like, no. And then I'm like, yes. Week's already halfway over is is, is causing me concern. Um, it's Wednesday. It's Patrick O'Hare Day. It's briefing.com day. Um, today is a big day. The Federal Reserve is going to meet. You mentioned this in your page one column at briefing.com. I think it's a big day. Um, what do you think about the Federal Reserve meeting day? And is it big or am I hyping it up?
1: No, it's definitely a big day. Um, certainly, you know the Fed is is the center of attention these days, really. So uh, when you have, um, you know, the FOMC set to make a policy decision, you know, likely to change you know, the wording of its directive to compensate for its new inflation mandate, Um, you know, and everyone curious to see what goes on with the uh, infamous dot plot and what it might suggest about the path of interest rates, you know, it's certainly an important development. Um, The question is, I think, really is uh, as important as it is, you know, will it be will the stock market really react to any of it? You know, there's been so much said about the meeting leading up to it and what's likely to come out of it. Uh, you know, there's, it's possible that it just kind of gets greeted with a collective yawn because much of it was known ahead of time. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that the stock market is well aware uh, that the Fed is on its side and is going to
0: continue to be on its side for, for some time still. I was reading a report this morning that it looks like 2023 is the expectation now for when the Federal Reserve might raise interest rates. So, I'm starting to write my television copy, and I have to put it in kind of average man terms. If they keep interest rates low until 2023, which there's no promise, but that's the assumption, I think. Um, that's good for uh, home prices. It's good for the stock market, historically. Um, there's no guarantees, but is that kind of am i am I barking up the right tree by saying that yeah. Well, no, you're, uh, you're
1: not. Uh, I mean, you are bark- barking up the right tree. I mean, that, that is going to be the case. Um, you know, if the Fed's going to sit at the zero bound, you know, let's say until 2023, well, uh, you're not going to see prime lending rates go up, really. Um, and, you know, that has a lot to do with what, you know, one can expect to see out of a, out of a, a variable credit card rate. Um, you know, uh, with the Fed still likely to be active in purchasing, you know, mortgage-backed securities, uh, as well as as well as Treasuries and probably longer dated Treasuries, um, you know you have some reason to believe that you know mortgage rates are going to continue to remain near historically low levels, and that's going to be a stimulant for housing demand, which you know which is good. Um, and of course, as you mentioned, you know the stock market uh has already been feasting on this notion that rates are going to stay near the zero bound for an extended period of time and and while that's you know opportunistic and beneficial clearly now um you have to be cognizant of the risk though that it does feed into a into an asset bubble um, that may not mean so much uh or it could mean from a collective stock market standpoint or it could mean you know certain pockets of the market just get way carried away. Um, but that's something that you know investors need to be mindful of when all we hear is that there is no other alternative for anyone seeking yield than the stock market, and and there are some valid you know uh, arguments to be made in that respect. But you know, just buying stocks just to you know, drive them up in a parabolic fashion because there's no alternative uh, usually uh, will come to a uh, 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 an end that's not so favorable, but it's all about timing there. You know, you can stay overbought and, and overzealous for, for many years before you see, you know, an asset bubble actually get popped and, and you run the ramifications of that. But for now, the market, though, is still quite pleased with the idea that, you know, rates are going to remain low.
0: Very good and well said and uh, very eloquent. That helps me. So I'll keep that and treasure that. Uh, Take a look at your page one. Uh, Earnings last night out of FedEx and Adobe, both solid double-digit revenue growers. Um, They... The economy seems to be functioning somewhat at lower expectations, but uh, once again, Wall Street is you know, beating lower expectations. It's kind of the thing it does. Um, is that a, a nice summary of Bowie of uh, Adobe and FedEx? Well, it is. You know, the thing I did like
1: in particular about I don't do a really individual stock analysis, but just from you know a big picture point of view, you know these companies delivered really nice earnings surprises with double-digit revenue growth, right? So you've seen a lot of companies, you know, report better than expected earnings and far better than expected earnings, but then you look at the top line and they're down year over year. So what that tells you is that they, they achieve this, you know, earnings prize primarily through cost-cutting, right? Uh, but FedEx and Adobe are seeing strong demand, and uh, and that's a really uh, encouraging sign, you know, for their shareholders. Um, both stocks that had already had big runs, you know, leading up to the reports. FedEx seems to be reacting better on the other side of things here than Adobe is. But nonetheless, um, from a fundamental standpoint, you have to hand it to both companies from doing a, a really good job capitalizing. On what is certainly an opportunistic environment for them, given this work from home, stay at home uh, trend that's um, you know that's been clearly beneficial for for specific subset of companies uh, versus you know most companies, I'd say, then uh, that are having to rely on cost cutting to uh, to produce those positive earnings surprises.
0: Sounds about right. Um, anything else that you're working on right now that we should be made aware of? Anything that's you find interesting? Any? I'm I'm stuck on the Federal Reserve today because I just stuck on it for some reason. Right, uh, and for good reason, Rob. You know. Okay. The-
1: which should be stuck on the Federal Reserve. I think we all are. I'm certainly, you know, uh, interested in what they're going to have to say, and, and that will factor into what I am working on uh, for this week. Uh, is, is I'm going to be updating com's market view uh, as part of the, the big picture column that I uh, publish every Friday, and uh, and you know. Uh, Fed policies obviously very central to that market view, um, but there's a number of factors here that are going to be impactful, certainly in the near term. And of course, we can't forget about you know the election. So uh, between Fed policy and politics, uh, that's going to create some some volatility uh, here in the near term. But uh, but again, at the end of the day, I think the market and continue to like the idea that rates are going to stay near zero. And this cost-cutting we just talked about for a lot of these companies that aren't seeing the top line right now, well, it's, it's ideally transforming them into more efficient businesses so that when you do get that top-line growth, you've got a lot of leverage there that can translate into much stronger earnings growth in 2021. And that's another element that has been underpinning the stock market as
0: well. Sounds good. Thanks for joining me today. And uh, we will read your weekly column as well as your weekday column. Weekday column is the page one. I start my day each and every day with it. And the week end is the big picture. And he's going to give an updated market view on Friday. So I'll probably share some of that with the listeners on Monday. Real good stuff. And sorry that I'm like being a little bit odd here, but that's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Briefing.com. I'm really fixated on the Fed today and I don't know why. Um, I, I, I almost did a double take when I saw that it's expectations and that there's, there's betting futures on this. And they tend to be pretty darn right as far as when the Federal Reserve is going to raise rates or lower rates. And we're saying 2023. And that just honestly, that blows my mind at the opportunity, um, out there. It, it justifies higher, it justifies higher valuations. It stops people from going into bonds. It, uh, lowers people's credit card bills, which helps the banking system, uh, get fewer defaults. Um, it lowers more what you can afford. This is a weird concept, but go with me here. When you go to buy a house, And you need to put down five hundred thousand, or you need, let's say, you five hundred thousand dollars home, and you put down a hundred thousand, right? So you need to finance four hundred thousand. Financing four hundred thousand dollars at three point two five percent is way cheaper than financing a house at four point two five. Now that's a funny thing to say because I'm talking about the exponentials tied tie on this, where smaller numbers have bigger powers. it's like earthquakes when they go from like a six one to a six two. That's much different than going from a five one to a five two, but you don't understand why and you're like, I don't understand why. But you understand with the smaller numbers that you get more bang for your buck at three point two five than you do at four point two five. Less so at five point seven five versus six point two five. Um and again, these are we are near historic lows on mortgage rates. This has been a wonderful time to buy a home because of the low cost of mortgages. Um, you only service... People don't know, and this is where, where I'm getting this weird concept that I kind of want to pound on it for another second. Um, I know that my mortgage payment's $3,400 a month. When I took out my mortgage 12 years ago, that's about what I could afford comfortably while still saving for retirement, while still going on vacation. Now, I'm like, man, eh, it's nothing. It's gotten easier over time. But then, that low rate, that that, that fixed not like we know our number of what we're going to pay every month in a mortgage. Most of us don't know our balance. Most of us don't know our interest rate. But we know how much we can afford. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Based off a podcaster who does a podcast called Planet Money, uh, written by Adam Davidson. Davidson with a D, not a Davison without a D, but you get the idea. The fundamental shift that he says is happening in American business right now is what he calls a shift to a passion economy. The new landscape is essentially fusing two things at once, automation eliminating jobs and technology creating opportunities. Um, it's kind of, in his mind, a combination of the 19th century with what the best of the 20th century has to offer as far as technology goes. And he talks about economies of scale, and it gets really, really granular, and it drives you a little bit insane, and then finally you get the point. And His point is something along the lines of intimacy at scale. He says, it's Goldilocks market, intimacy at scale. I'm like, what does that mean? And it's basically, if I can sum it up, and maybe I can't, I feel like this is a college project all of a sudden. It's all about having meaningful relationships with customers, even if the customer base is just a few thousand people spread across the world. I see, coming out of the pandemic, this as a very true idea. Um, Restaurants, if they want me to come... They're going to have to treat me better than they used to treat me, and I'm going to have to pay more for that service. It's a very odd concept because he really starts getting into uh, the Amish, and less than 10% of them are farmers. The company's target audience is some 225,000 people spread thinly throughout the country who don't use smartphones or websites, so uh, he's talking about like... How you look at business through the Amish lens and how you look through business through the I work at Facebook lens. And it's pretty interesting. The Amish represent a $12 billion market. Um, that's a whole ecosystem of providers. That's, yet we never hear much about that, do we? dated a girl once who was a, a nurse and uh, she worked in upstate Pennsylvania which is an Amish country and one of the, their inbreeding is so bad that they get some really exotic um, diseases one of them was a child who couldn't smile and it's it's one of the weirdest things to look at on YouTube because you associate smiling with happiness in kids. And this is a child who's probably 10, 15 years old at the time. And you could tell a joke and she would smile, but she can't smile. Um, but um, there's a plow company out of Norway that said, you know, we want to get into the farming of the Amish. And now they are the plow of the Amish. I could see that happening in lots of little subcultures of the United States of where can you find a market that's that you can serve and please and that wants to be pleased and give economically speaking. So anyway, um, that's a book that I'm getting through powering through. It takes me about two, three days. So I'll have a conclusion for you later. Um, But I highly recommend people read. Uh, I think it's one of the best things you can do with your brain. Planet Money's Adam Davison, if you want to listen to another podcast that's out there. Just a smart guy. I'd pay money to see smart people talk. So let's talk a little bit about NVIDIA, because I talked about this in the first segment, and how the Chinese may not say, hey, wait, why is an American company getting access to all cell phones? Wait, 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 wait. We want that to go back to SoftBank. We don't, no, 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 no. So we'll see how that plays out. But that's those headlines just started the drama. But uh, the biggest semiconductor deal ever is, in my mind, the biggest semiconductor deal to talk about, <laughs> right? Um, this is a game changer. So NVIDIA is buying ARM. ARM is being sold off probably to raise cash for SoftBank after they had some disasters last year with companies like WeWork's IPO that was a flop. NVIDIA dominates graphic processing, but they also dominate um, servers. They dominate um, CPUs. No, not yet. That's Intel's area of domination. But ARM holdings could be there sooner than later. So ARM, and I don't know why I'm having problems speaking today, but ARM holdings, license their technology they're the underlying technology that companies like apple and broadcom and qualcomm go about and use so intel just never served that market and the intellectual property license business is very very profitable so once nvidia announced the acquisition farm and nvidia was already the hottest stock in the last three years it is it is dang sexy if you know what i'm saying if you're picking up what i'm putting down um it's, it's got some regulatory risk. There's no doubt about that. That's how big this company could become, um, and how dominant they can become. But analysts are instantly raised price targets, six hundred to seven hundred. Just add a hundred dollars on it. They instantly raised earnings. Um, I like the idea of the deal. Will it get through regulatory approval? It is very tough to say. But Nvidia powers servers. Dominant. With ARM Holdings, they'll dominate cell phones. Do you see where, where I'm going at with this? And if they ever get into the PC and if they ever move away from the AMD Intel angle, which the technology's there, um, would they dominate PCs too? Is that too much power for one company? I find it interesting. So I think that's, um, that was for Monday. The, the whole deal and Monday had some technical issues. This is not, I'm not having a good week personally and technically, but I'm fighting through it. Um, speaking of fighting through, one of the things you need to have in retirement is three years of income. Um, that's going to be super important for you to be able to sleep at night. So the market tends not to go through long periods of underperformance, tends to bounce back within three years.